Today's podcast is brought to you by Concierge Elite. Concierge Elite provides dedicated remote front desk staff and virtual assistance to your office. We specialize in finding your office the perfect and right fit for your office and your office only, full or part-time. Your remote team member is just that, yours. We do all the hiring, the recruiting, and training. Yes, the training. It's one of the things that makes us unique as we train your dedicated remote team member in your systems and software. Today on Understaff, we welcome Mark L. Vincent, PhD and EPC. Mark loves leaders who love leaders. He continues to grow his capacity for wise advising, artful facilitation, and client-specific presentations. Mark has founded many groups, including the Design Group International and the Society for Process Consulting. He's authored numerous books, including the most recent, Listening, Helping, and Learning, and is the host of the Third Turn Podcast. Welcome, Mark. All right. Thank you, uh, Mark, for joining us today on Understaffed. I am so glad that you are here with us today. Appreciate it. Oh, I'm glad to do this with you, Melissa. Yeah, well, great. Now, for my listeners, Mark and I had a great conversation a couple of months ago, and we were talking about being on the podcast, and then uh, we both got really busy. And so finally, Mark is able to join us, and I'm so glad that he is. So, Mark, will you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am an executive advisor, and it takes a while to arrive at that place to be able to say that with confidence. But I've had a pretty long career, and there are some things that distinguishes it because I built a business uh, during a time that my first wife was very, very ill. Uh, we, uh, she was ill for a long time. We built that thing up, turned it over to a successor a CEO who has grown the business significantly since that time. And just in this last year, I uh, moved to exercise my buy-sell agreement. So I'm no longer in the business. I'm no longer a part of the partnership. And it's been really neat to see that full arc of business development from nothing into something, seeing it mature. Uh, I think I'll just add that along the way, my practice in that company, because it's an organizational development uh, practice, is actually working with accomplished executives, particularly as they face succession and all the drama and problems that can accompany that. So having consulted in a variety of ways, but also led a business like that myself, uh, it was out of that that I've got some standing uh, to be an executive advisor, why people might call and say, can we talk, Mark? And uh, every one of those stories is a lot of fun, a lot of adventure, some real harrowing things. But that's that's kind of who I am and what I do. Well, excellent. So um, when when we're talking about um, <laughs> the things that you do and your your company, so you you said you sold your product, you sold your practice. I sold my share shares in the oh, company. Okay. And I remain now as an executive advisor uh, working with, oh, kind of handpick them, but about 30 clients at a time. Okay. Okay. So, so you get to kind of really choose who you're working with then. It's a lot of fun to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, you want people who actually are serious, right? You don't, right. you don't want the, well, I want to consume this and say, I have an advisor. It's about the mission that that client has and, and are they going to succeed at it? And to be engaged at that level with them is a real delight. Great, great. And you talk about that you you get to kind of run these co cohorts. Is that how you say it? Uh, of, of small groups of people. Yeah, one of the ways that we do this is through maestro level leaders, and we create cohorts of uh, six to ten people. They're all 
fairly accomplished CEOs or executive directors because we have some nonprofit participants as well. We try to have a nice mix across that group of six to 10. And they kind of do life together across a four-year journey as they really prepare for succession from a planful ahead of time basis. And uh, at that point, they're thinking about, well, I, I want to preserve the future value of the firm. I want to make sure the business is capitalized. I have to have successors in place who can actually handle this thing and grow it. And I want to be able to slingshot their success instead of be an obstacle for that. So then you're talking about legacy. You're talking about a life right. to go to so that you have a place to go instead of messing up the thing that you created because you can't let go of it. So it's all those dynamics are in place and people tend to take advice from peers much more seriously than they do from outside consultants. That's why you have so many mastermind groups like a Young Presidents Organization or a Vistage, and there are many others that we could name. We've created a cohort experience with a time limitation on it for people in that particular moment of their career. Right, right. So that's a process, four years. It is, but planful succession planning is also a process and all of the social science around it say three to five years. Mm -hmm. And the more you dig into it, you realize that it's really five because if you're reading the people say, well, it's three years, that means there's a year or two of kind of getting ready. Mm -hmm. And if you take a five-year approach, you're just including those years of really getting ready. And some of that is unconscious. It, some of that is waking up to the fact that like this next great big round of strategy that you've been working at, if you're that CEO, you're not going to be in the driver's seat for it uh, that or that you'll you'll get it in place, but you're going to be handing it off to somebody. And then you have that OMG kind of moment was like, oh, my, I, who, who would that be? Or how do we pick in such a way that there's not a political battle happening with, a, with among a board or among a couple of other uh, young professionals that that are very talented? Yeah. Yeah. A couple key points that I think we can talk with the listeners about is, is the first one you talk about learning to lead yourself or mm. learning to lead self. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. Well, when you map out the executive leader's journey, uh, you end up talking about three turns. And so this first turn that you carry with you all throughout your career, but you've got to master it pretty early is leading yourself. So there's the capacities that you have. There's the skill set that you really want to keep cultivating. There are those early experiences where you find out if you can actually do what you think you can do. And can others look at you and say, yeah, you can actually get it done. And we like it when you lead. We want, we want you to do these things. And um, in that, a person who starts to think, look at me, look how successful I am, is already about ready to go off the rails. Because they're going to tie all of their success to their ability to perform rather than to lead themselves, which means take, taking care of their body, taking care of their life outside of work so that in work they're not distracted and they can be productive and healthy and balanced and in a good rhythm where people trust them and will want to work with them throughout their career. So we're not talking about what did you do this year? We're talking about a 40-year career. One quick way that I've learned to say this is when you learn to lead yourself, you're building a 40-year career instead of a four-year career 10 times. Mm. Because if you don't figure it out, you'll burn out, have to restart elsewhere. You'll cycle through it again. You'll cycle through it again instead of growing all throughout your life. That's good. 
That's good. I think a lot of leaders uh, don't develop themselves. They don't learn right. to, uh, what 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 they bring to the table and what they can continue to to nurture and grow. I think you forget that you you start in the beginning because you're so excited. Mm-hmm. You're so excited to do this and be a leader and and okay, I'm going to read this book. I'm going to do this and this and then as you go, that you that falls by the wayside. Yeah. And I know for me personally. I put every every Monday, there's a certain amount of time that I put aside for self-development and learning and growing. And and so that's something I always want to keep on the forefront, because if I don't better myself, uh, mm-hmm. if I don't continue to learn and grow, then I'm really doing a disservice to the company that. that yeah. And to yourself. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The whole the whole thing here, when you have uh, this lifelong learning approach you will keep your brain elastic. You'll continue to develop the, this is, it's actually called this, the executive function of your brain, which has to deal with complexity and reflection and connecting dots, which you're not using when you're just pounding out emails, right? So if in your younger years, this turn one, you take an approach I'm learning in order to be recognized as a knower, Mm-hmm. Then at that point, once you know stuff, you keep going to the well of what you already have done and you're shutting off the learning. So it's the, the success in turn one comes from learning, not from knowing. And when you move into later stages of the career, it's not going to be your knowing that helps you succeed. It's your ability to keep learning and adjust and be flexible and grow and manage complexity. So the skill sets that you're doing uh, or keeping alive every Monday right, is what will serve you way better throughout your career than the stuff you've already know and have already done and you can do in your sleep. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Now, your second point is uh, learning to lead people. Yeah, so that's the second turn. So turn one, learn to lead myself. And there will be a group of people. uh, Some of the studies tell us about 14% of all of the workforce will be invited to lead an organization. So not all of them will succeed at doing it. Most people will live their entire career on the front line of something, maybe becoming a master electrician or the best in class at customer service or the salesperson of the year. But there will be a group uh, within that who are invited because of the leadership capacity they're showing to actually lead an organization. So now, in addition to leading themselves, they have to lead the organization and they have to lead people. And at that point, instead of being the expert salesperson or the expert researcher, which if you could see my hands, right, I'm kind of making a cylinder out of that. You are no longer just rising vertically. You now have to move horizontally because you're responsible for the whole profit and loss statement of this thing you're running. So there are areas where you're not the expert, can never be the expert. And yet you have are you are the responsible one for the whole of that organization. So learning there about how to work with people and to use influence to to really have a strong listening skill uh, and the ability to problem solve with others that begins to really have to rise if you're going to be a successful C-suite leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, you know, I think I think too. This is where, uh, in, in my field, where a lot of doctors have a hard time because they went to school, they learned, they 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 de- developed themselves, they became mm-hmm. doctors, and really what they want to do is be a doctor. 
But yeah. when they open a practice, what do you do? You end up leading people. And yes. sometimes that's like, oh, well, shoot, now what do I do? You know, mm -hmm. I, I went all this time to learn how to do this specific thing. And then when I, 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 I now can do it. Yeah. But wait a minute, all this other stuff's going to come with it. How, to be a front desk, to be a this, to, to do the payroll, to be HR. And all of a sudden, all of these other uh, things got put on their plate. And because they can't do it all, they have to bring in people to do so. And now they have to lead those people. Right. And this is where we fall a little short sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's because I don't know how to do that. I know how to be a doctor or I know how to do X, Y, Z, but I'm not sure that I know how to lead people. And I think this is where a big part of development comes in mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. is, okay, I've learned to, to figure this out, but how do I lead people? How do I do it in a way that's effective? And I know for me over my career, uh, I was very ineffective in the beginning. Uh, the way I led people 15 years ago and the way I lead people today are very, very different. Uh, and if I look back, yeah, did they get the job done 15 years ago? Of course they did. Yeah. But nobody liked me. <laughs> you know, right. and it's not about making friends. I tell my kids I'm not your friend. But um, but it but it, it it truly is about understanding that the way we lead people uh, can make a dramatic difference in how successful uh, a business or this or that eventually becomes. Uh, how, how successful everybody becomes. Uh, I like to take the underdogs. Uh, and I like to find people who everybody thinks they can't do it mm -hmm. and give them tools, give them resources, but also give them rope to be able to go out there and prove, prove everybody wrong, Yeah, you know? And, uh, so I know that's been my leadership style in a lot of, a lot of ways, but, um, that, that was not how it was in the beginning, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, truly leading people is, is something that uh, we all have to continue to work on. And then number three, your third turn is learning to lead future value. Yeah. Succession and legacy. Yeah. Uh, so let's just do kind of a quick run up in that first turn. When you're learning to lead yourself, we sometimes call this learning to be an artisan because you're figuring something out. You're following patterns laid out for you. You are showing that you can master your subject, your skills, whatever, as it's determined by an employer or a professor, uh, when you move into that second uh, turn, we can call this like being an artist yourself, a sculptor, a master painter, where you'll actually have underlings who are working with you to help you fill out the vision. So there's a, uh, an example would be a public sculpture. They often have a number of artists working on it, but it is an artist's vision who's leading that project who won the commission. So when you're in that C-suite, you're kind of functioning in that way as an artist. When you move into the third turn where you're now talking about succession and legacy and future value, we sort of talk about that as the maestro, hence this idea of a being a maestro leader, where you are orchestrating the thing. You're the composer. And let me just give two quick illustrations. One is Beethoven, the Ninth Symphony. He uh, composes that when he is completely deaf. He can hear it and write what has inspired so many people across so many centuries now as one who could not even hear what he was writing. But the skill set was so deep, he could write an orchestral piece that would be performed by many other people and to bring it together for that performance. So that's, that's an example of what's happening when you're saying, wait, 
to to move this into legacy when I won't be running this, there's even more moving parts, even more complexity, maybe even more than when I started just to use the doctoral practice when I opened my practice, because there's so much more at stake, a, a patient roster, for instance, and the employees and so forth. One of my favorite stories is a veterinarian that I worked with a number of years back who um, came to me and said, hey, Mark, uh, I, I just want to talk this through. Um, I'm in my 50s. I'm not ready to retire, but I've got this young veterinarian that just joined our practice who has aspirations to own his own practice someday. He is excellent. He's good. He's the very kind of person I'd love to sell to. But I don't know what to do because if I don't sell to him because I'm not ready, he's going to go elsewhere and start his own practice. And now I've got a competitor. Mm. Or I sell now, but that means I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have a life to go to. So we ended up in a long conversation about that. And it was about six months later, he came back and he said, you know, I sold it. I'm working part-time for the practice for this guy who now owns it. I couldn't be happier. Best choices I ever made. But to arrive at that, all of these things were, were in effect. He had to have a life to go to. He had to figure out, did he have the right kind of successor? He had to have a plan for the value as it went forward. He had to make sure the business was capitalized. Any number of those things were in play. And that's what the third turn is about, is about being able to leave the game well, to walk off the pitch, use whatever metaphor you want, being able to exit with your head up and with your successors able to succeed because you've removed obstacles. Now, it's up to them to not be prideful themselves, to not create their own obstacles. But as far as the predecessor goes, this is their role from here. It's, it's like the whole job changes. The minute you begin to think, I might be on my way out, you are no longer just running the enterprise. You're running the succession process so the enterprise can continue. I think that one will hit home because, you know, a lot of our people that listen are, are in the veterinary field. And I think they really struggle with what you just mentioned is, you know, I, I want to leave this to somebody, but I don't know how yeah. uh, I'm getting to the age of where I want to retire, but there's, you know, a lot of them are facing that they don't have anybody to mm -hmm. leave it to. Um, so we hear that a lot on this end is, is I'd love an, a, another doctor so that when I do exit, I have a strategy, yeah. I have something, you know, that I've built this for. And so I think it's a tough position for people to be in, but they have to look at all of those, those facets. Right. Um, and so um, I know that uh, you you have, uh, is there just three facets or is, I'm sure there's more. <laughs> well, we talk about the three turns, but if we were hitting you, we'd talk about a fourth, which is preparing for death. Mm. But there are many rubrics out there. This isn't like I invented this. It's coming from the way we talk about life. There's that stuff into young adulthood. There's the stuff at midlife and there's the stuff as we wrap it up and we end it. If we take it down to a career, then we have the three turns as I've described them. Yeah. But once someone has moved to retirement, is in their life that they want to go to, or they're even in a new enterprise because they sold and went to something else and are having fun, there's still that getting ready so that those who come after you don't have to have extra heartache because you haven't wrapped up uh, your affairs well. Uh, you haven't made sure that you're at peace in your relationships. You don't have an estate plan, for instance. And we've all seen these scenarios where someone dies 
and the partner doesn't even have access to the bank accounts yeah. or uh, the children weren't clear about what the state plan was and now they're fighting or their spouses are fighting and it just drags everything down into ultimately an attorney's office or a judge has to decide those things. So that would be the fourth one. But for the career basis, we just talk about these three turns. Right, right. But I think it's important. I think it's mm -hmm. important for everybody. You know, I think work-life balance has become such a big thing. And I think it's brought that fourth one in a little yes. bit more than we have seen it in the past. Uh, I know for me personally, I, we talk about it quite a bit on the show even, is that, you know, what are we doing to prepare um, ourselves for, the inevitable um, yeah. or things that may happen sooner than we, than we want. Yeah. And I know for me personally, that number four has been a big one. I'm, I'm still young, but um, you never know. You're not promised you don't tomorrow. Know. And, and let's, uh, let's just take a moment to recognize that succession planning and continuity planning aren't two separate things. Mm. Continuity planning is sort of like this broader category of any of the inevitable contingencies. Succession planning is contained within that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a good one, one that we to not leave out. So now uh, where does my viewers find you? Uh, well, where 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 could they look at for more information on what you do? Yeah, well, MarkLVincent.com is uh, the fastest way. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn and do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. Uh, so, you know, someone says, hey, I want to connect with you or I want to follow you there just by searching for Mark L. Vincent. You'll find me right away. And I'd uh, be glad to connect that way as well. Well, great, great. We have that information and we'll definitely be posting it uh, below so that folks can find you. Um, and you have the three turns that you talked about today. That's on LinkedIn as well um, and published on there. And, you know, go on there and subscribe and like so that you can get all your uh, your knowledge passed down. So we appreciate it. Uh, anything else? Anything else burning that you want to? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I recognize that a lot of uh, having talked with you a little bit before about what Concierge Elite does, that you really do provide a lot of resource for medical practices and veterinary practices. And um, the, the complexity that comes from that when you actually are an expert, you are actually being consulted as an expert means that there's this other dimension of life where you actually have to run something where you're not directly involved. And either, as you said, you're managing that in other ways, or um, you, you basically say, I'm just going to hire myself out. But if you're going to run a practice and you ultimately are the person with whom that, that buck stops, time that it takes to figure some of that stuff out is precious, hard to come by. So to delay it, like to think about it, like, we're doing right now. And then to delay it means you've just doubled the amount of time that it will take. You don't get any efficiency unless you address it. So if you are thinking, I need to talk to somebody, then then take the extra minute at that point to set that appointment uh, or to find out who you, you know, make the connection for who you might want to talk to. Otherwise, you have thought about it and didn't do anything with it. And then you're thinking about it later and you've already set this pathway up in your head. I'll do it later, but you'll mm -hmm. think about it later and not have done anything. Whereas <laughs> that could have been the conversation. So mm -hmm. the, the yeah. main thing that burns a hole in me and burns passionately in me is if we're going to care about these things, then we need to get after it. Earlier is better. It saves a whole lot of headaches later. 
And yes, it's the hardest thing to get to because of the other demands. It is also the most important thing to get to if you want to have a practice at the end that a successor wants to buy, yeah, wants to come into and can actually succeed. Absolutely. Uh, that, that was good, you know, and we have so many resources here at Concierge Elite. If if you're listening and, and that's a position you're in, whether it's the staffing, uh, whether it's somebody to um, to help build, help you build your business and grow your business to that point. Um, and then, uh, you know, great leaders like you who are there to mentor and and give great advice and, and be a part of that growth uh, over the next, uh, you know, five, five years. And I'm sure more, I'm sure you follow people much more than that in your career. Yeah, I have so. a few that it's been a decade or more. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for being on finally today, Mark, and that oh, we could pleasure. talk and share with our listeners. We appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Make sure to subscribe and like our podcast. If you'd like more information on today's topic or any other product or service featured on this, make sure to drop us a line and say hi, or visit anytime at conciergeelite.com. 